the ground that all of a sudden just weird things happen? Unexpected things, things out of the blue, things that just don't make sense. You're, you're gaining some spiritual momentum. You're putting some footwork forward. And all of a sudden, I found in my life, every time I start making some strides towards things God wants for me, like out of, just, just craziness happens. Things you can't bank on, things you never saw coming, things, just weirdness. And, 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 and I, I try and d- develop that. You know, as we, 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 have this, we have this thing called the gospel. Huh. Some stuff falls out of it, apparently. Um, and when we begin to, to, to grow in it, and grow in the word, and grow in the truth, and grow in the nurture and mission of, the, of God, we have this thing called an enemy. The scriptures say in 1 Peter 5, he's an adversary. He goes about roaming around like a roaring lion, seeking to devour someone. And when he finds someone who is making strides and making gains for the kingdom, that's like, that's like his target audience. You know what I mean? That's who he's chasing after. And we can expect that, that, that we are going to be in that. The Bible says we, we, that we do wrestle. That means there's fighting involved. That means it's not fun and games all the time. That means that we're in a spiritual battle. The neat thing about that whole thing is this. God has given us weapons. 2 Corinthians chapter 10 says that the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they're mighty. They're not earthly weapons. They're not everyday weapons. I mean, I, could, I don't have one up here. I could grab a gun or something, a sword. And in fact, I thought about trying to grab some of those things. I just ran out of time this week to, to locate some. I could, you know, I could get a gun, a crossbow, a spear, a sword, a bow and arrow. I could do something like that. And that was me. But those are not the weapons my, that, that, that as a Christian I'm supposed to utilize. Peter grabs a sword at one point in time. And Jesus looks at him and says, Peter, that's not the way we do things. He who lives by the sword will die by the sword. He's like, as a member of my kingdom, a a, a person who's involved in in, in what I'm doing, you can leave your sword at home. I'll supply the weapons and the tools. Am I against, uh, you know, bearing arms and all that? All you Second Amendment guys are getting really anxious about what I'm about to say. Listen, I have a gun myself, okay? Albeit it's a single-shot, 16-gauge shotgun, Okay. I know it's not like a major kind of a weapon. Some of you guys are like, dude, that's not even real. Are you kidding me? I have no problem with bearing arms. I think it's a right that, that, that we are given as American citizens. We should utilize that right. But listen to me. As Christians who are following the risen Christ, he is way beyond, the power and the weapons he gives us are way beyond a bullet, are way beyond an arrow, are way beyond those kinds of things. And, and, and those things will serve their purpose at points and times. But for us to accomplish, accomplish the purpose of the kingdom, we need other weapons than that. Are you hearing me? Are you still with me? Y'all didn't check out on me when I said that, did you? A few weeks ago, we discovered the enemy is after us. We saw Paul begin to follow God in his calling, and right in that moment, Satan followed, followed right after him, trying to disrupt that. Last week, we saw that God made promises to people, and I like what Nancy, what Nancy and Mary both said. God not only gives promises, he keeps promises. The problem is, that the fulfillment of the promises, we find obstacles, and things come in our way to prevent us from get, grabbing a hold of the promise. Today, we're going to talk about how our enemy will seek to stifle our momentum and our growth in the kingdom. There's this guy in the scriptures, 2 Chronicles chapter 20, called Jehoshaphat. 
And this guy, he, did, he was not perfect. In fact, a couple chapters before this, he makes a huge mistake. Call it sin. He, he aligns himself with a carnal person. The Bible says those who are of the light should not yoke themselves with darkness. He yokes himself with a guy named Ahab who was evil and vile. And God's like, dude, that's, you so messed up. So this guy's not perfect, okay? But he was godly. He made great strides. He tore down idols. He tore down things that were, were messing up the children of Israel. He reinstituted certain types of worship that hadn't been utilized in a long time. So he is fervently serving the Lord, and he's growing in what God has called him to be. And suddenly, he finds himself in a place where literally all hell is about to break loose on him. And in 2 Chronicles chapter 1, we'll read these words. After this, he's, making, he's getting momentum. The armies of the Moabites, Ammonites, and some of the Meunites declared war on Jehoshaphat. Messengers came and told him, A vast army from Edom is marching against you from beyond the Dead Sea. They're already at Hazan Tamar, which is another game, is in Gedi. Here's the funny thing. It does not say they have declared war on Judah. It does not say they have declared war on your kingdom, Jehoshaphat. The scriptures say they declared war on Jehoshaphat as if it's a personal issue. Here's what I believe. I believe his enemy, his real enemy, Satan, the devil, whatever you want to call him, okay, the old accuser of the brethren, I believe he had targeted Jehoshaphat. And when Jehoshaphat was gaining momentum, it was not necessarily about the whole nation. It was about this guy who was creating a different climate, a different culture in his land. And Satan said, I, got, I have to do something about him. i got to change this. He is, going, he is moving way too fast. Next piece of Scripture says that they were, it says, here's a very important piece. They were Moabites and Ammonites and Millionites. People from the land of Edom, which may or may not mean anything to you. But you know who these guys were? The Edomites, the Ammonites, the Moabites were descendants of a guy named Lot, who was the nephew of Abraham, who basically along the line is the father of Jehoshaphat, the great, 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 great grandfather. Okay? So you know what happens? He's getting momentum. And one of those old family scuffles pops back up. Have you ever noticed when you start gaining momentum, the button Satan always tries to push first is like something going on in your family? <laughs> I can remember we were going through the fasting, doing the awakening thing. And I was sitting right up here one morning and talking with somebody who was having some issues. And they had made great strides during those three weeks. They were getting some momentum. And all of a sudden, Satan picked on one of their children. And I looked at him and I said, why do you think that's going on? Well, I, I don't know. And I said, are you growing in the things of the Lord? Yes. Now, if you were you, if you were your enemy and you knew everything you know about you, if you want to knock yourself off track, where would be the place you'd push the button? Well, 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 well I guess my family. Oh. Recently, I asked somebody to do something in ministry. And as I, as I approached about doing something in ministry, the very next week, an old family thing came out of no place. And for like two weeks, there's just this contending with this old, gnarly, ugly, messy, ugh. you guys have any of that old family, Eva kind of referred to her, you know, she's had some dysfunction in her family. Anybody else deal with that? 
Here is Jehoshaphat. He is getting some momentum. He is growing fervently in the things of God. And all of a sudden, family stuff just comes <laughs> in, the fa- in, in the form of armies coming against him. Don't be surprised when you start getting some momentum out of your spiritual walk and your fervency in the things of the Lord, and suddenly you're at a family gathering or something, and something you thought you had contended with for a long time ago is already taken care of, and suddenly somebody just has the right or the wrong thing to say at just the right time or just the wrong time, depending on how you look at it, and all of a sudden all that old just comes creeping back up. Here's what Jehoshaphat is dealing with. Are we ever going to be free from this? Is it going to keep going on? Some of you said those kinds of things. So how does, how does Jehoshaphat respond? He responds desperately. Verse 3 says this. Jehoshaphat was terrified by the news, and he begged the Lord for guidance. Je- Jehoshaphat is frantic. Oh, no. He, he is terrified, the Scriptures say. And he's not just praying. He is begging you ever been in a situation where you need God to show up and show up big and just some normal everyday prayer just is not going to cut it? You know what I mean? Like, oh, my goodness. I don't even know if I can get through this next day. I don't know if I can get through the next hour. Oh, Jesus, please. And you begin to cry. You ever been there? Anybody ever been there? Raise your hands. Here's, that's where Jehoshaphat is. Ah, God, help. That's where he's at. I, need, I think the neat thing about this piece of Scripture is he chooses to focus on the Lord. Verse 4 says, he ordered everyone in Judah to begin fasting. He didn't just do it himself. He, cho- he asked other people to get in the fray with him. Let me explain something to you. When you're really caught in spiritual warfare, you can't do it alone. Jehoshaphat could have crawled into a corner, bowed himself low, and said, God, please help me. Do I think I would have responded? Absolutely. But you know what I think? I believe the Bible tells us that one will put a thousand to flight, but two can put ten. And I think Jehoshaphat's response is correct. I need more help than just what I can get gained on my own. Would everybody join in this with me, he says. And he, he calls the whole nation to come fast and pray for God to do something. Not just him, everyone. And they focused on the Lord. So people from all the towns of Judah came to Jerusalem to seek the Lord's help. And Jehoshaphat response, responds with a, the same thing his great-great-great-grandfather would have done. A guy named David. A couple weeks ago, Bill Turkovich was here, and he talked about David being at Ziklag. You'll find that in 1 Samuel chapter 30. David, likewise, is gaining some momentum. He's following the calling of God. He's chasing after the dream God's placed in his heart, and he finds himself coming back from a battle, and the whole place is destroyed. His family is gone. His men are turning on him. And the Scriptures say this about David, that David encouraged himself in the Lord. Like David, Jehoshaphat's encouragement comes from God. He knows where to turn when, the heat, when, the, when, when things get heated up. He doesn't go complaining and groaning and moaning. He goes right to God. He doesn't go to everybody else. He goes right to God. He's like, I, God, I don't know what else to do. We don't know how to move. I'm not calling in my military advisors. I'm not calling in my political advisors. I'm not calling in, I am looking for you, Lord, show up big. Just like David. In Psalm 108, it's kind of like the passage we keep going back to. I want to read you some specific pieces of that. Psalm 108, 1. My heart is confident in you, O God. No wonder I can sing your praise with my heart. Wake up, lyre and harp. I will wake the dawn with my song. Verse 3 says, I will thank you, Lord, among the, all the people. I will sing your praise among the nations. Jehoshaphat calls the people together, and he does that exact thing. It's like, I'm going to honor you in front of everybody, God. I'm going to do what you ask me to do. I'm confident that you are my, where my help and my strength comes from. 
Verse 9 says this, But Moab, the Moabites, are my wash basin. They will become my servant. And I will wipe my feet on Edom, Psalm 108 says, and shout in triumph over Philistia. Who will bring me in the fortified city? We refer to that last week because we were talking about Joshua going into Jericho, right? But listen to the next line. Who will bring me victory over Edom, which is the exact fight that Jehoshaphat is fighting right now, is against the Edomites. And in Psalm 108, he refers to who, who's going to give him victory. Oh, please help us against our enemies. All human help is useless, he says in verse 12. With God's help, we will do mighty things, for he will trample down our foes. Wow. And so, in this, he worships God. He says these words. Joshua stood before the community of Judah and Jerusalem in front of the new courtyard, and he prayed this, O Lord God of our ancestors, you alone are the God who is in heaven. He worships God for his rightful place. He is Lord. He is God. He is king and his power. He said, Who can, no one can stand against you, God. So at the beginning of this whole thing, Jehoshaphat is worshiping God. He's acknowledging God's place as Lord and as king, and he's acknowledging God's power, that he can do all things. And he goes, but we don't know what, I, I want, want. he's in wonder. He's wondering, what, what do we do now? Verse 12 says, oh, God, oh, our God, won't you stop them? We are powerless against this army that's about to attack us. We do not know what to do, but we are looking to you. What do we do, God? He said, our problem is we have enemies. Our place is we're powerless. We cannot defeat them. We cannot get, get ourselves out of this. We, none of our human reasoning, none of our human power is going to alter this circumstance. Jesus, we need you. Our place is we are surrounded. Our, our problem is we have no power. What do we do now? And the amazing thing is God sends a voice. There's a young man who steps forward out of the crowd. His name is Jehaziel, which may not mean anything to you, but his name means this. Listen to these words. He will be seen of God. God watches over. God sees and God reveals. Jehaziel steps forward and his very name shows something to the children of Israel. God is paying attention. And he's about to reveal his plan. The thing about Jehaziel is there's three or four other guys named Jehaziel in the scriptures. One of them is a descendant of Saul, a, a, a family member of Saul, who comes to King David and aligns himself with David. Guess where? Ziklag. Another one, David appoints him to be a, a praise and worship guy as they're bringing the ark back to Jerusalem. Those are very significant details about guys named Jehaziel in the scriptures because both bear meaning of what we're doing right now, what we're talking about right now, about armies and confrontation and worship. Isn't that crazy? This guy Jehaziel steps forward and he says this, listen, all people of Judah. Listen, King Jehoshaphat. This is what the Lord says. Do not be afraid. Don't be discouraged. 
by this army, for the battle is not yours but God's. And watch the Lord's victory. He is with you, O people of Judah and Jerusalem. Do not be afraid or discouraged. Go out against him tomorrow, for the Lord is with you. Listen, if you guys have some family stuff popping up right now, listen to me. Recognize and acknowledge that's a spiritual battle. And recognize it's not yours to fight, but it's God's. For those of you who found that you're gaining some momentum spiritually and all of a sudden something's come loose at work or something's come loose with some other part of your life, your finances or something, you're like, what is going on? Recognize the schemes of your enemy and recognize that the battle really is not yours. Recognize the battle is God's. He is watching over you and he is taking care of you. As the voice of Jehaziel long ago, God sees and he'll show you the way through and the way out. Hmm. The neat part about this, he, he says, Jehaziel shows up. He says, don't, don't be in fear. Just have courage and watch me work. That's what the voice of the Lord says. Watch me work. And what's their response? It's just passionate allegiance. Passionate allegiance. They get low. Listen to this next passage of Scripture. Then King Jehoshaphat bowed low his face to the ground, and all the people of Judah and Jerusalem did the same thing, worshiping the Lord. The word worship literally means this, to fall prostrate before God, you're right. You are God and you're king. All of a sudden, we recognize how big and how powerful you are, and we don't know what to do, but we're falling before you in allegiance. What you've said to do, we'll do. We'll not fight this battle. We'll let you fight it. We are just submitted to you and your ways. And then the next thing they do, they don't just get low. After they get low, check this out. They get loud. Some of you think we're crazy because we, we show up to church, and there's like no like real like organ sound. You know, you know, like the Phantom of the Opera or something? Because we got loud musicians and music, and you heard people hooting and hollering. You know why we do that? Number one, it's scriptural. Number two, we really believe God is all that there is. And He's a reason to get loud about. Some of you would go to, probably sat in front of your TV Friday night and watch the Buckeyes get beat by UK, right? And probably still screamed your guts out, did all sorts of crazy things. And what happened? They let you down. But we serve a God and a king who is very much for us. He deserves to get loud about, and he does not let us down. He is faithful and he is true. If I can scream about a stinking leather ball that's supposed to go in this round cylinder hoop thing, listen to me. I can sure get crazy about eternal issues and shout and scream because he has given me victory over things in my life, things in my future, things that are going to try and wear me down. I can get excited about that. And that's what they do. Listen to the next piece of scripture. Then the Levites and the clans of Koath and Korah stood to praise the Lord, the God of Israel, with a very loud Shout! I don't think you're with me. Maybe it is big. Maybe it is ugly. Maybe you feel surrounded. Maybe you feel hemmed in. But this is the perfect time to shout. You know why? Because God is still victorious. It may not look good. It may not look great. At the moment, ah, but he still wins. Ultimately, we win. The question is, how are you going to fight in this particular battle? 
We still win. We always win. You know why? We're on his side. He's already proclaimed victory. He's already given us the keys of death, hell, and the grave. He's already showed us the way to eternity, the way to heaven. He's already given us to, given that to us, and he promises victory in every area of our lives. We'll just merely walk with him. And you know what? The question is not whether we win. The question is how will we fight in this battle, at this time, in this moment? So what does King Jehoshaphat do in response to the word of the Lord? He appoints praise, verse 20. Early the next morning, the army of Judah went out in the wilderness of Tekoa. On the way, Jehoshaphat stopped and said, like he got a revelation, he's walking, marching with him. Whoa, stop. I got something to say. And he looks at them and he says these words. Listen to me, all you people of Judah and Jerusalem. Believe in the Lord your God, and you'll be able to stand firm. Believe in his prophets, and you will succeed. When God sends a word, follow that thing through. Last week, we talked about reckless abandonment, hearing this the smallest voice of God. When God utters through a prophet, if you can respond to this, the, the smallest voice of God, when God speaks something supernaturally, you better respond to that one, brothers and sisters. You better do all that he says. After consoling the people, the king appointed singers to walk ahead of the army, singing to the Lord and praising him for his holy splendor. This is what the king, they sang. Give thanks to the Lord, his faithful love endures forever, which is Psalm 136. You can read that later. Over and over and over again. They say something about God and they say, his faithful love endures forever. They say something else, his faithful love endures forever. They're marching to a drum like... Eva just said, his faithful love endures forever. His faithful love endures. And they're marching towards the valley where they think there might be defeat, but they know there's not going to be defeat. You know why? Because the prophet has spoken. His faithful love endures forever. His faithful love endures forever. His faith. When you find yourself in a place where it looks black and dark, I want you to hear those words. His faithful love endures forever. His faithful love endures forever. Over and over and over again in Psalm 136, that one line keeps being reiterated and reiterated and reiterated. Why? Because it's got to get inside of us. Woo! Take a breath. He appoints praise. Psalm 149. Praise the Lord. Sing the Lord a new song. Sing his praise in the assembly of the faithful. Oh Israel, rejoice in your maker. It talks about what, what, what Belinda talked about. It talks about dancing and harps and stringed instruments and shouts. So let them sing for joy as they lie on their beds. Let the praise of God be in their mouths and a sharp sword in their hands to execute vengeance on the nations. Something else you need to know about this. This guy named Jehoshaphat, his name is significant. You know why? His name literally means the Lord has already judged. The Lord had already determined what was going to happen. He was just asking him to follow through on his judgment on the Edomites. Just follow me in this. Just march out there. I've already judged. It's already done deal. I got it taken care of. The Lord has judged. And they march out there. And check this out. Verse 22. As they go out there to sing, it says this. A commentary says, they didn't march out as a marching army against an enemy, but they marched as a returning triumphant victor. That's how they were marching out the battle. Oh my goodness. Verse 22 says this, at that very moment that they began to sing and give praise to the Lord, the Lord caused the armies of Ammon and Moab and Mount Seir to start fighting among themselves. It goes on to say, not a single one of the enemy had escaped. 
And King Jehoshaphat and his men went out to gather the plunder. After he appoints praise, the victory is won, and they just get to assort the plunder. That's it. They get to to, to divvy out the stuff. Isn't that amazing? All the valuables, more than they could carry, it says. There was so much plunder that it took three days just to collect it all. On the fourth day, they gathered in the Valley of Blessing, which is what they named it after that, which got its name because, of the, because the people praised and thanked the Lord there. It will be called the Valley of Blessing. It is still called the Valley of Blessing today, the Scriptures say. The enemy is eliminated. The blessing is disseminated because they take it back to the people of Judah. And you know what they do on the way home? They praise some more. They assert more praise to God after the victory has been won. Then all the men returned to Jerusalem with Jehoshaphat leading them, overjoyed, not just a little bit of joy, but overjoyed. How many of y'all can use some overjoy in your life? How many have enough joy that you already got plenty you don't need anymore? How many of y'all have enough joy that you can only enjoy it your own self, but you can splash it off on somebody else? You know what I mean? You know where you start? It starts today before the battle has even started. Before the enemy actually has a chance to do anything, it starts today by you exerting yourself in the form of praise and worship. Let me ask you something. Are you getting a momentum? Are you gaining uh, spiritual fervor? Do you feel like, man, I'm really doing some things, but there's some really weird stuff happening and Satan really fighting me in some certain areas, but I feel like I still need to keep moving, still need to keep going. I'm going to get frustrated. I'm going to turn towards God. Well, then won't you come and join us up here? The rest of the team, come up here for a minute. Are there things from your past that keep haunting you? Are there things going on that are, that, are, that, are, that are just like those family things we talked about that just keeps popping back up and raising its ugly head? Are there things like that going on? Listen to Psalm 47. Come, everyone, clap your hands. Shout to God with joyful praise. For the Lord Most High is awesome. He is the great king of all the earth. He subdues the nations before us, putting our enemies beneath our feet. There's this one little line there that says, in the New New Living Translation, it says interlude. In Hebrew, it's a word called salah. And you know what I mean? It says, step back and think about it for a minute. Hasn't he already done things like that? Hasn't he already given us victory in certain areas of our life? Why won't he do it now? Step back and think about it. He's already been that to us, hasn't he? He's given us freedom. He's given us life. He's given us hope. He's given us joy. God has ascended with a mighty shout. The Lord has ascended with trumpets blaring. Sing praises to God. Sing praises to our King. Sing praises for God is the King over all the earth. Praise Him with a psalm, He said with an exclamation point. Let me ask you a question. You ready to respond like Jehoshaphat? Think of the thing that you're desperate about right now. Think about the area of your life that's messed up right now. Desperately call out to God right now in this moment. Desperately listen to what he has to say. And then grow low, get low. After you've decided you're going to listen to what he has to say, and then get loud. Some of you may not know Christ today. Your life is messed up, and you felt some nudge from the inside that you need to get things sorted out. And every time you turn around, it seems like something stops you or hinders you. Let me tell you something. There's an enemy who wants to keep you right where you are. But there's a God who's already given you victory. He says, the battle is mine. I've already won it. I've, I've made a way for you to get to me. If you're a Christian today and you find your opposition, these, these principles are very important. For you to worship and sing praise to your God is an, is an instrument with which God will exercise victory and authority and judgment over those things that, 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 that are against you, that are fighting you. 
God wants you to enjoy His blessing. And He wants you to give Him more and more and more praise. Your job in the earth is to bring glory to His name. Satan's intention is to keep that from happening. If He can take your praise from you, if He can take your joy from you, if He can take all that from you in the midst of frustration and opposition, He will do it. If you don't know Christ today, He says, listen, I will help you gain victory in those those things of your life. I'll give you victory over the darkness. I'll give you victory over the depression. I'll give you victory over those things. But I need for you to come to me. All you who are weary and heavy laden, he said, I will give you rest. If you merely call out to him, he will return the favor and come near to you. If you're a Christian today, you know what? You're not as close to him as you need to be. If 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 you think there's no more room to grow in him, if there's no more things to gather from him, if there's no more, if there's no more intimacy than you already have with him, you are you are sorely mistaken. And today he calls, he says, come close to me. Stand up with me if you would. Right now in this moment, we're going to worship Jesus for a couple minutes. And whatever the darkness is, whatever the depression is, whatever the frustration is, the opposition is, whatever those things are, I want to encourage you to lift up a praise unto God because our God is great. And just like Jehoshaphat and his people march out going, his faithful love endures forever. Sing unto God with a, mighty, with a mighty shout. Sing unto God with all of your being. And see if he won't do something amazing in your life. He's not through with you yet. Don't you give up yet. March towards the valley where the opposition lies. And if you shout and sing praise and honor your God in the midst of it, it will turn from a valley of opposition into a valley of blessing. Are you hearing me? Let's sing. Lift that finger up, whatever it is.